media, are you misbehaving? <laughs> I don't know. You might want to go sit back in the corner over there. I, you know, I'm just kidding with you. You know, it's good to be able to smile, and it's so wonderful to be family. I appreciate all of you, and it's so good to see you all tonight. I know there's several that are either out of town or some that are sick. There's a cold going around. It's not even the COVID, believe it or not. And uh, so that's been going around. Lena was sick on Sunday. It's good to see her back. Praise the Lord for that. Um, there you are. I was looking for you. And it's good to have her back. I'm glad she's feeling better. Um, we're continuing on getting things done. And uh, the lobby's coming along. We've got, if, uh, um, we've got the, the stone put on the front of our welcome center. Yeah, and uh, the tops, we're, we'll get those soon. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and so just be in prayer that they come in soon and they're not scratched. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And so I don't want 11 months from now to have our tops come in with a scratch on it. So be in prayer about that too. Um, and but praise the Lord for things that are getting done. Acts chapter 1 is where we're at. And we're continuing on tonight um, our study. We're doing a Bible study here through the book of Acts. And we've not gotten too far yet. We've spent about three weeks thus far. Tonight will be the fourth week, uh, maybe fifth week, something like that. Um, studying here, and, and uh, we've gotten to verse number approximately, uh, let's see here, about 17 or so. And, um, but we're going to finish up this section tonight, um, looking at an amazing prayer meeting here in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Let's go ahead and look there if you would. I'll read aloud if you follow along there in your Bible. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon uh, Zelotus and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Men, brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man's purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst all his bowels gushed out, and it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue. Um, now, I don't know their proper tongue, but I'm going to try to pronounce this word. And, and is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his uh, bishopric, let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the day, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they pointed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. 
And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. Help our faith to grow. Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us. Lord, help us to see the, the, the true need for prayer. Lord, that we would continue uh, being a, a church that is known for prayer. Lord, that we would be known individually for prayer. And Lord, that we would experience the power of prayer in our life and in our ministries here. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this study tonight, and we continue looking at this amazing prayer meeting, you, and I want to go back and just review real quickly. I'm, I'm going to try to go as quick as I can with things we've already covered the first two weeks on this section. But it's just an amazing thing. You look at what's going on here and what they were able to accomplish. They were able to accomplish so much with so little. And that you look at why they were able to do that. What the secret was, was the Word of God, and it was the Spirit of God. And what was the third reason why? What was the third reason why they were able to do so much with so little? Okay, I said the Word of God, the Spirit of God. What was the third one? Prayer, exactly. There's praying, the power of prayer. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. We see it again and again, them praying. And here we see that they, they are going to pray, and God is going to work in a great and powerful way in their life. And so as we review, we, first of all, we looked at the work of God brought supplication. And, and so they, they knew that by themselves they could do nothing. They knew they needed the power of God. And so in anticipation for the work that they knew that they were going to do, they were waiting for that time for the Holy Spirit to come. They were praying. And we see the place of prayer. Uh, what was the place of prayer? Verse number 13, what was the place of prayer? Upper room, exactly right. And once again, we're reminded that we need a place of prayer. We need to have that time alone with God that we pray. We also need corporate prayer where we pray together as a body of believers, perhaps in small prayer groups and our small groups upstairs, our time that we get together and we pray. And so there needs to be prayer in the church. There needs to be prayer in the homes. We saw the place of prayer, the people of prayer. Who were the three groups of people that were there? Does anybody remember? We talked about this the first week. Do you remember? What's that? It's really simple for you because it's up on the screen already. <laughs> the leaders, that's the apostles. You got it right, though, Edie. I'm just saying, I just noticed it's up there and I asked the question. All right? And, and the, the loyal women were there and then the young converts were there. We saw a great group of people that were there. Um, I don't want to spend too much talking about that, but the, quest, the, the point is that we need to be together. Every part of the church needs to pray together. And then we saw the pattern in prayer. They were consistent. There was consistency in their prayer. In verse 14, it says these all continued. In other words, they stuck to praying. They continued in pray, praying. And do we pray with persistence? Last week, used the illustration of knocking on the door and leaving before somebody answers. Do we knock on heaven's door and stop praying about it and leave before the answer comes? There needs to be consistency where we're persistent in praying. There was unity in their prayer. In verse number 14, they, they prayed in one with one accord, it says. And we see that phrase, it's a key phrase throughout the entire book of Acts with one accord over and over again, we see it. And so they, they were um, uh, putting aside their personal uh, uh, differences, their personal opinions perhaps. Um, the, remember we talked about them being strong individuals, yet they came together and they were in one accord and they were praying together and, and so th they were able to see the power of God uh, through that. There was fervency in their prayer. Verse number 14, notice what it says. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They, they were laying hold of the Lord and would not let go and let up until something happened. 
And they were praying it with supplication. They were lifting the, the prayer up to God and, 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 and the need that they had. And so there, were, there was uh, constancy, there was unity, there was fervency in their prayers. And so we saw the work of God brought supplication. Secondly, the word of God brought illumination. Illumination. And last week we really talked about this, about how that you, you have to have, for us to have a proper prayer life, what must go with that? We talked about this in really detail last week. For us to have a proper prayer life, what must we have that must go with that? The two go together. You can't separate them. Anybody remember? Yeah, reading the Word of God. We have to get into the Word of God. You've got to have Bible study. If you're going to have prayer, you've got to have Bible study. If you have prayer without Bible study, you have very weak prayer life. Why is that? Why do you have a weak prayer life if you don't study the Word of God? We talked about this as well last week. Anybody remember? Why do you have a very weak prayer life if you don't study the Word of God? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When you pray without faith, you have a very, very weak prayer life. How do you know what to ask of God? If you're not studying the Word of God, you don't even know how, what to pray for. You really don't. We need to pray according to the will of God. Where do you find the will of God? In the Word of God. They go hand in hand. If you don't have one, you're going to have a problem with the other. By the way, you need prayer when it comes to reading the Word of God, too. Why should we need prayer in order to read the Word of God? Somebody help me with that. What do you think? Yeah, Evie. Absolutely. To understand the Word of God, we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and, and asking God to illuminate that for us. And so um, we see there that there was an illumination that was brought on because of that. And so there was fervency. There, there was... Uh, there was unity, there was constancy in their prayer, and then there was reading of the Word of God, and, and they, they, there was the, um, we see that. These, now, just transitioning, disciples, how many disciples did Christ choose to originally? How many did he choose? I say disciples, apostles. Yeah, Owen. Okay, John. That's right, good job, 12. 12 disciples. How many are there now? 11. Why? Because Judas and what he did, we all, and we're going to get to that more in a minute. But they, they were, they were, here they are, and Peter, he, he is talking now, and he's making the challenge there. Um, in verse number 16, look what he says. He says, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. And so you remember how Jesus said that the disciples were going to sit on 12, the apostles were going to sit on 12 thrones. You can find that in Matthew 19, verse 28. We looked at that last week. And so here he's feeling directed by the word of God that they need to appoint that 12th person. And so he's talking about the fulfillment of prophecy. And he talks about Judas. He's, here he's viewing in verse 16 the sin of Judas. And we looked at the point about his sin. Peter simply is making the point that what Judas did was prophesied in the Old Testament. Judas's betrayal, it actually was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of Scripture. We also, last week, we looked at the punishment of his sin. In verses 18 and 19, he spoke about that. The money that Judas returned was used to purchase the field in which he died in. And according to Matthew 27, 5, he hung himself, but apparently the rope broke, he fell. Um, the Bible describes it here greatly about how his, he was basically, he burst forth, his guts came out. And, and so um, he, he, it was pro proper end, you might say, for a traitor. What a traitor he was. And so he did not just burst forth and die there, but he, I, he was hurled headlong into a lost eternity. Um, Judas is in hell today. 
Um, I believe that based on what the Word of God says about him and by the choice that he made. So that's where we left off last week. The challenge that we ended with last week was, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You know, out of 12, there was one that was Judas. And in a situation in a church, listen, don't ever take for granted that everybody knows they're going to heaven at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I can't take that for granted. Um, I've known people. We, we, if you remember, Pastor Mike Kleitz was here for five years, and his wife was lost. Ended up getting saved after they went to the next ministry. Ended up trusting. She grew up in a missionary's home. So don't take for granted just because somebody says they're saved. I said this on Sunday. It's an old Negro spiritual. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going to heaven. And so just because we talk about it, there needs to be a, a real thing that happens in our life, a, a transformation that happens, being born again. Um, another example, my oldest brother. He didn't get saved until he was 18 years old. Oldest brother grew up in a preacher's home. I remember when he got saved, he came forward, and everybody was astonished, but nobody was sad. Nobody was upset. Astonishment, the fact that he did not know for sure, but was so glad that he finally trusted in Christ as Savior. And so it, it can happen. And so here we see um, that situation. That's where we ended last week. So let's pick up there. And I want to notice the, the next point that we see here. Uh, thirdly, the publicity of his sin. There was great publicity about it. Look at verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem. Everybody was knew about it. Everybody was talking about it. The suicide was common knowledge in the capital there. Everyone was talking about it. And there was all kinds of talk going on about what had happened and what he had done. You know, there's still people that talk about that today. Um, some even believe that he's going to come back as the Antichrist. Does anybody know why anybody would say such a thing as that? Why would they believe that Judas Iscariot might be the Antichrist? Anybody? This is just an interesting thing. Now, I'm not saying that he is. I'm saying why people would think that. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying why would somebody say that? Remember the first time I ever heard that was when we had, years ago, we had, oh, I'm trying to remember his name. He, um, he came in and preached a, uh, a whole week on Revelation. Do you, you, those of you that were here, you remember that? I'm I can't remember his name right now, but he's the first one I ever heard say that. And, but it's interesting. Why, why do you think that anybody would say that? Well, the reason why is because there's only two people in Scripture that are called the son of perdition. It is the Antichrist, and it is Judas Iscariot. That's the only ones that are listed in Scripture as being a son of perdition. Now, I'm not saying today that that's the case, but there's certainly there's people that talk about that. Um, people still look back to his name. His name is very well known, and I can say mostly in a negative connotation unless you're a devil worshiper. Uh, people that are of the, that craziness, they, they look to Judas as a hero of some sort, which I can't even comprehend. Um, but how sad we see that. Um, but we see that, it, it, it was, um, that there was publicity of his sin, even till today it was. And then we see the prophecy of his sin. Look at verse number 20. Notice what it says. For it is written in the book of Psalms, lest let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. Now, Peter, he's quoting here from the Psalms. The first part of verse number 20 there, he, that he's, he, the prophecy of Psalm 69, verse number 25. You can go and read that later if you'd like. Psalm 69, verse number 5. And then the second part, it comes from Psalm 109, verse 8, which says that, uh, talking about the, that his office is going to be position filled by someone else. That Bishop Rick is talking about his office, his position. Um, uh, the, we get, the Greek word is episcopal. It's like the, episcop it's the, the leadership of, the position of leadership. 
And this English word that we have here, bishop, rick, is the bishop leadership's position. The rick is the place that he has been assigned to in leadership is what that word is talking about. And so it says there, and his bishopric let another take. So Peter, here he is. He is using scripture. He believed in the inspiration of scripture. He's saying this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And so we need to fill this position. All right, two reasons why. I need 12 people sitting on the throne. That's what he's thinking. And he's looking at this as, as from the word of God. He's obeying what he believes is prophecy being fulfilled with that. Okay. And then another thing that's interesting here, and his bishopric let another take. That word another, in the Greek New Testament, there's two different Greek words for another. There is another of the same kind, and then there, which this word is being used here, there's another of a different kind. That, that Greek word would have specified that. We use one word, another. But in the Greek, it would have specified another of the same kind or another of a different kind. And so the another wasn't going to be a replacement of Judas of the same kind, No. He's going to replace with someone that's not the same as him at all, a person that had a heart that was right. And so now by quoting these two psalms, Peter, he assured his fellow disciples that Judas's departure fulfilled prophecy. And it, it, it wasn't an accident. Uh, it wasn't something that happened uh, that thwarted God's plan. God was still on the throne. God, listen, he was still in control. And uh, as Daniel 4.17 says, the most high ruleth. God was still in control. And you can mark that down in your life. God's always in control. God is still, whatever's happening in the world today, God is still in control. God can take the negative and turn it into a positive. We talked a little bit about that last week, but we see that again and again in the Word of God. And so we see the work of God brought supplication. The Word of God brought illumination. And then thirdly, and lastly, the will of God brought consolation. The will of God brought consolation. Look at verse number 21, if you would. Could I have a volunteer to read verses 21 and 22? Who'd read that tonight for us? Thank you, Eric. Here we see the criteria. We see, okay, so they're looking for somebody that's going to fill this position of Judas Iscariot. And so we see here that there is a criteria that's listed to be an apostle. There are three requirements that new apostle must meet. Generally, those to be considered for that awesome responsibility of an apostle, they had to have been personally called by Christ, first and foremost. Had to be called personally by Christ. Secondly, they had to be taught by him directly. Taught by him directly. And for several years in time, they were, they were, they were under his leadership and teaching. And then they had to see him alive after his resurrection. They had to have seen him and, and knew uh, of his resurrection. Now, do those requirements not make the office of an apostle unique? Can anybody here tonight stand for the office or uh, apply for the office of an apostle? No. I mean, if I was looking around just by looks, if I wanted to pick somebody that what I would like to nominate as an apostle, it would definitely be Josiah. I mean, I'd like to nominate him, but guess what? I can't, Josiah. I'm sorry. I know you'd like to be an apostle. He's looking at me like, I knew you were going to say something, Uncle Brian. He knew it. He saw it. He was laughing before I even said it. You must know me pretty well or something. You know, but I can't nominate him. Why? Because I would be violating what we see as criteria in the Word of God. And the same thing is true. Anybody today that calls himself an apostle, they are lying. They are wrong. They cannot possibly say they're an apostle because 
what this is giving is a guideline. It, they, they're not an apostle. Uh, they might be a disciple of Christ. Of course, if they're a disciple of Christ, they wouldn't be lying about the, the word of God, um, who they are. They, would, it, they need to be called by Christ. Now, people can be called. What are some positions that God would call people to? Not an apostleship, but what are, what are some positions that God, yeah, Rodney. Yeah, pastor, absolutely, being called a pastor. Um, you need to be, and, and if you're going to be a pastor, I remember going to Bible college, they, I heard messages like this all the time. You better not be mama, t- mama called or daddy called. You better be God called or you're not going to make it in the ministry. And boy, that's true. And sometimes people are called because they have some uh, expectation they're trying to meet or a parent or whatever. No, it needs to be God called, no question. All right, so a pastor, what is another calling that people could be called to? What's that? An evangelist, good. All right, what else? Missionaries, good. What else? Sunday school teacher, absolutely. What else? Okay, a deacon, absolutely. Desires the office of, uh, of, of a deacon, yeah. Okay, anybody can be called, that's right, to different positions, different places. All right, I got one for you. Can women be called? Can a woman be called to be a pastor's wife? What do you think? I had a preacher one time, he told me women aren't called. I said, what? He says, no, the only thing women are to do is obey their husbands. I was like, whoa. I said, I'd like to hear you say that to my wife. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I knew right then and there, me and him were not going to agree. I've got five daughters, and I've seen God work in their life. They're not any less of a person. Now, I do agree, though, that God will call you to marry the man that you need to follow in the leadership that God has put in your life. There's no question about that. But God can put a special call. God called my wife to be a pastor's wife the same year he called me to be a pastor. And she got it better than I did because I was a year older than her. It took me a year longer, but it was the same year. But God called both of us the exact same year, never knowing at that time, you know, where it was going to be at or who it was going to be. And, but yet God does call. And God, God calls us. The key is we need to listen when God calls. But don't do something that's not called by God. Don't step into a position that God has not asked you to do. That's most of the time not the problem nowadays. Most people nowadays, God calls and God calls and God calls and people don't answer the call. Most people today aren't just doing things without the call of God. But it's important we understand there must be a call, personally called by God, uh, taught by him directly. Now that kind of narrows it down a little bit, some could say. Um, How does the Apostle Paul pass this test? Yeah. He met with Jesus personally. And there's some time in his life that he speaks about being guided by Jesus, being taught by Jesus. Um, He actually saw Jesus after the resurrection. He saw him. He meets the qualification. That's one of the things that people question him on. If you remember, go back and read. Uh, People were challenging whether or not he was an apostle or not. And he defends himself rather well. And, but so the Apostle Paul met that. But nobody today would be able to meet that qualification. Um, and so it's interesting. So I, I say that because it's, you know, things like that is interesting. So, but there were two men that did meet the qualifications. Does anybody see the names of them? Who are they? You see it? Joseph and Matthias. Good. All right. So we see the choice. Look, verses 24 through 26. Colin, would you please read those verses, 24 through 26.
All right, let's notice the choice here. The choice. Notice that they chose, number one, prayerfully. They prayed. Verse 24, we just read it. And they prayed. They cried out to the Lord. Now, here's something that's important. They didn't just say, okay, we choose Matthias. Let's pray now and tell God what he's supposed to do. They didn't do that. They made sure to pray to God and ask God for direction. They didn't have their mind already made up in what they were going to do. Now, why do I say that? Because there's times if we're not careful, we make our mind up and we tell God what God should do. When it comes time to, in this church, if, you're, if this church comes to the place where they need to call a new pastor, don't do it based on personality. Don't do it based on looks. Obviously, that doesn't work very well because I wouldn't be the pastor. Don't do it based on, because a guy has a lot of charisma. You do it based on prayer. You pray and ask God. You don't say, God, I like that guy better because he laughed at my joke I told him. And so I want this man. You know, seriously, there's a lot of churches today that they end up calling a pastor based on things like, like that instead of based on prayer. We need to really pray about decisions. When it comes to, when it comes to uh, uh, us choosing deacons, we need to really pray about that. Um, and pray that God would give you wisdom on who should be a deacon here in the church. These are things that we really need to pray about. And so it's important. So they, 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 they chose prayerfully. They prayed about it. They asked God. They, and they chose purposefully. Look at verse 25 again. That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And so here we see that Matthias, hey, he had a job to do. It was going to be a big job. It's interesting. Okay, so we know by looking at the, the next verses, that verse 26, that Matthias is chosen. Um, is it, can anybody tell me anywhere else in the Bible Matthias is actually mentioned? Anybody know of a place? This is a really hard one. You know why it's really hard? Because there's nowhere else that you see him again. Isn't that interesting? God called him to this position. It was by God answering prayer, I believe. And now, you know, you never really hear about it. Matter of fact, most of the, the apostles, you don't hear a ton about them later. And, and so, but yet he is, he is called. It wasn't necessarily destined to be a prominent minister for him. It wasn't a prominent position. And by the way, often it's this, the quiet, behind-the-scenes people who accomplish a lot for God. I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven. Surprised by that, that little... And I say this, I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say it, but that little old lady that's on her knees in prayer and had the power of God in that church that maybe was unseen, people didn't see, but God saw. Those people that are behind the scenes, just because your name is not on the board or in front of the people, that doesn't mean that God doesn't call you, that God doesn't need you, that you can't get a hold of God in prayer. You can't do what you do in your ministry. There's a lot of ministries that don't have a lot of applause for it. But here is a man, you don't see much about it. Yet he's in the word of God and God is using him, obviously. So they chose purposefully. And then we, they chose practically. Look at verse 26. And they gave forth their lots and a lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. What? You ever read that and wondered what in the world's going on here? Am I the only one that ever read that and said they cast lots? What is that akin to? Gambling. Is that what they were really doing here? Were they Did they take their dice out and, and play? What's, what's the game you play with dice? Well, good job, buddy. I was waiting to see. What's another one? What's another one? Okay, this is good. I, 
I'm glad to hear nobody gambles with dice. I was waiting for somebody to say a gambling game. I was going to say, oh, you gambled. You guys didn't walk into that. You're pretty smart. Good job. But, you know, people take dice, and they, they, it's a, a game of chance. Is that really what's going on here? Why? What do you think, Sam? Okay, but they didn't choose. They put two men's name and they drew lots. That's the part. It's interesting, isn't it? What do you think, JB? You look like you got an answer or you're contemplating something. I see it. comes in the mailbox. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I don't disagree whatsoever with you, but in the Old Testament, did they cast lots? They did. Um, and that, we're not going to go there and look at it. And I don't disagree with what Brother J.B. said at all, because it's so true. First Samuel chapter 14, 37 through 42, go read it later. But you can see there that in the Old Testament, God used the, the method of casting lots to reveal his will. You can look it up. First Samuel 14, 37 through 42. So it's interesting. Why did God have to do that? Why did God have to do it through that way? Or why did God allow that to be that way? Ellie, I mean, Needy, were you going to say something? Okay, go ahead. In some ways, I, I believe it is. I think it's the same principle. I do. I really believe it's the same principle. And most of the, it, really the bottom line is the heart of the matter. I really believe that. And seeking God's will and asking God for a sign, that's what, that's what a fleece is. It would be the same thing. And, and um, you know, I, this is something that was interesting to me. Uh, they, you know, I, I went and looked at um, Ryrie in, in his study notes. He said this. He says that they, this is what they did. They took two names um, put it on lots, they placed it in an urn, and then the first one to fall out from the urn was the Lord's choice. So they put the names in there, they turned the thing over, the first one that fell out was the Lord's choice. And the men, they looked at that as that was God allowing that to be the first one. But remember, it was all bathed in prayer, it was all asking, it was, it was acknowledging the sovereignty of God, they called him Lord, they acknowledged his omniscience, they, they acknowledged him and who he is. And when they did that, now there's another thing that's a key here that we need to understand. In that day, it was in that time frame between Acts 1-8, when the promise was made of the Holy Ghost. Of course, it was, it was made several times, but I'm talking about before the Lord ascended. All right? And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. They were in that time frame that they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Did the people in the Old Testament, by and large, on a norm, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit within them? Were there times when the Spirit of God came upon people? Yes. Temporary. Not all the time. But we see in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit came, now we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. They didn't have that yet. 
Did they have the completed word of God at that point? No, they did not. And so today, um, this is what my recommendation would be. And I say this because fleece, if you want to make correlation with, it, with uh, casting them a lot, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I, what I think is most of the time, God doesn't need us to put a fleece out. God doesn't need us to cast a lot. What God wants us to do is to read the word of God and to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as he speaks to us. And God will direct us. Anybody here tonight have had God give you absolute direction and decision in your life as you prayed and read the Word of God? An absolute decision that God, He spoke to you. Now when I say spoke, I'm not talking about necessarily verbally. I'm saying you knew in your heart 100%. I've seen that happen many times. I didn't have to cast lots to do it though. I had the Holy Spirit of God within me. I had the Word of God to guide me. I had the, word, the Holy Spirit of God to, to, to bring me into all truth and knowledge. And so I don't believe that today is a, a day that we cast lots like this. It's a different day. I believe it was a specific time. Um, look at what it says in Proverbs 16, verse 33. Notice it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Interesting. Now think about that verse in the context of what we just talked about. That really answers the question, does it not? What it's acknowledging is, yeah, the lot came out, but I'm giving, the, I'm giving that to God, that God is the one that allowed it to happen that way. God is the one that did that. And so today we have the word of God. Um, we don't need to flip coins today. Does she love me? Does she love me not? You don't have to do that, okay? Ask God, is this the right woman for you to marry, right? Let the Holy Spirit work. And if it's working in your heart, it's probably going to work on her heart too. And you're probably going to both agree on the subject, right? You do agree on it, right, Jen? Yeah, okay, just checking. I mean, when you guys get married, you know, when you get married with somebody, you both have to agree. Nobody makes you get married nowadays, right? Aren't you thankful for that? You know, that nobody puts a gun on you and says you got to marry this person or mom and dad get to choose for you. you know, wouldn't you love that, though? I mean, Katie, you like your dad to choose one for you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Levi's like, yeah. Oh, my word. You know, uh, things are a little different today, but we have the Holy Spirit of God within us. We don't need to throw darts. We don't need to flip coins. We need to get in the Word of God and be filled, empowered, led by the Holy Spirit of God and pray. God will direct you. God will. And so we see next, let's look at it. Let's jump next forward. Verse number 26, they chose peaceably. This is interesting to me. This is kind of something we can add to something how we're living. Look at verse number 26. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. What's the point? There's a loser in the story. Who's the loser? Yeah, Joseph. He lost. I don't see a sore loser here. You don't see it. It's not written anywhere. We see lots of occasions where the Bible talks about and, and Demas. and I mean, we can talk about negatives the Bible talks about, but we don't see that about Joseph at all. He obviously was a good candidate. We don't see him complaining and griping and worrying about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, somebody read Acts 2.1. Somebody read that real quick for me, if you would. Acts 2.1. First one there, just stand up and read it. Acts 2.1. Who's the all? This is a connection. This is a connection from chapter 1. This is a continuation. They were all there. Joseph didn't go home boo-hooing and crying because he didn't get to be the one. You know, we need to be careful that we don't boo-hoo and cry because we don't get to be the one. What's the one? You fill in the blank. 
whatever the blank is. I mean, I'd like to play the guitar like Levi. I'd like to play the guitar like JB. I don't get angry because they play the guitar and I can't. Why would I get upset with that? Now, you, if you'd like me to try to play the guitar, I could. And you'd wish I'd never had. I can promise you. But I ought not get upset because they've got a gift that I don't have. Now, does that mean I could never learn to play the guitar? No, maybe I could. I'm just making a point. Some of you wish you could sing like somebody else. I wish you had a voice to, to sing so beautifully like Josiah Blount. I mean, and, and like, I've heard you sing, brother. I'm going to be talking to you later about getting up here and singing something. But anyway, this boy, he's got a good voice. He's like, man, he's picking on me a lot tonight. Amen. You know, some of you might be upset because you don't have the abilities to be able to do what somebody does. You know what? I look at Gary Sleesman. You work with that man a little bit. He has got some talents like I can't come close to. I just love being around it. I'm learning things. He looks at something. He has spatial ability to identify sizes and the way the things should be cut. It's incredible. But I'm not going to be angry because he has the ability to do that, and I can't. Why? Because every one of us, we have different gifts. And when God moves and God calls somebody to some, sit, some job or some position, we ought not be upset by that because we, we weren't the one called to do it. We ought to be the one that's in one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. I can tell you the greatest way that we can cause problems within a church is to start getting upset because we didn't get there. Where we cause division among the brethren, we start complaining about it. Well, I didn't get a chance to do that. Well, maybe you just need to pray that God would let you have that opportunity if it's his will. And, and con continue to be faithful. Continue to, to, to work at what it is. And whatever the job is that you feel that way about. But we need to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to be overcome um, with jealousy. But they chose peaceably. And I see that. You know, that, that would have been an easy place for somebody to be upset and get angry. You know, I, I'm going to drop out. No. Um, they were in one accord. And I know I'm kind of grasping at straws with that. But I don't see any indication. When I look at the word of God, I, I see nothing that says that he got mad and took his toys home with him. And in a lot of Christians, that's what happens. You know, Christians get mad at the church. You know the first thing they want to do? Turn their keys in, but not until they get all the stuff they brought. I'm serious. You think I'm joking. They want a piece of paper stating that they turned their keys in, too. My goodness. How does that help the work of God? It does not. And I say that because, you know, if we're, not, if we're not careful, any one of us can fall into that. We get into the flesh and get angry and get upset. God could be working. I, and I'm going to give you one example. When I, when I first became the senior pastor here, we had, we had a, uh, a Sunday school campaign. It was the most successful Sunday school campaign that I had ever seen since I was here and since I've been here. There have been 12 people. I, 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 my memory is not great, but I think there was 12 people that got saved during that Sunday school campaign. And on the finale Sunday... I had somebody come up to me and said they wanted to meet me. And I met them in the office and they handed me their keys and said, we're leaving. And they, they, they were angry. They were upset. And I'm not even going to go to the depth behind it. But it was just amazing. You saw God working. You saw souls being saved. And that was their time to resign. So here it is. Don't be the person that's on the one side. And if you're the person that's on the other side that somebody does that to, don't get your eyes on people. I could have got so discouraged by that. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled with it. I had to give it to the Lord. My first response was anger. I was angry. 
and I was trying to sin not with the anger. I was like, how in the world could you possibly be a time that God is directing you away from when you saw God working like this? And it just, it, it blew my mind. But at the same time, I could have allowed that to affect me in such a way where now I become all worked up about it. Now I'm not in one accord. I'm angry, and I can't let it go. You're saying, well, you're talking about tonight. You're not letting it go. No, what I'm saying is it's amazing how the devil will work in situations like that when something doesn't go our way and we get upset and we take our toys and go home. And that's what kids do. But, man, I'll tell you what, there's times when we can do that. We need to be very careful. And so here he see he, he continued on working. And he stayed with the disciples, continued the Lord's work. The number of the 12 was complete. Nothing was left undone except to, to, to turn the world upside down. They're getting ready to do that. And guess what? They did. And it, it's because they prayed. It's because they were waiting on God. It was because they were willing to be in one accord. It's because they were focused on what the real job was. They weren't worried about, you know, you don't see them arguing about who's going to be the first in the kingdom right now or who's going to get sit closer to the Messiah. No, they're in one accord. They're praying together. They're getting ready to turn the world upside down. Let me ask you, do we as a church believe that we need a move of God, that we need a revival in our land today? Do we believe that? So how do we accomplish that? There's only one answer. It's prayer, much prayer, and more prayer. We really need to pray. We need to get on our knees before God and pray. We need to ask God to start that revival within us. We need to ask God to, to allow for us to be called, obey the call, and don't get angry at somebody else's, and be in one accord and praying together and seeing the power of God, being in the Word of God, having the faith to believe when you pray, and seeing God work in a great and powerful way. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. illustration that we see here tonight, Lord, that you, Lord, there's, there's so much we can learn from as we look at this church from the very beginning to how you worked, as we looked at individuals, and Lord, as we put ourselves there and we, we see a reflection of where we're at, Lord, I pray that we would press on really hard, that we'd have faith like David, that we'd be able to see things accomplished like David holy spirit would allow us to lord i pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight lord that we would obey the call you've given us we'd listen we'd do what you call us to do lord that we would be at peace with the calling you've given us lord that we would be in one accord that we would pray together and lord that we'd be grounded in your word that our faith would be strong lord that we would see this world turned upside down by a group of Christians in Ludington, Michigan that made a decision to follow you, no matter the cost. Lord, that we'd be willing to allow you to have your way, not our way. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, use us, we would love to. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, we ask that you forgive and remain Christ. Having been born again, we look back to a time and a place in your life and we say, yes, I, I, I am born again, I was saved, I know I'm going to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? I say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you. And we put your hands down. If you're here tonight, you say, preacher, I don't know. Listen, I can't see your heart. God 
God knows. God sees your heart. What do you see? Do you see doubt or fear? Is there a question? Don't worry about anybody else. You, you look between yourself, your heart, and God right now. Is God speaking to your heart about your salvation? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up as I pray for you and say, I don't know for sure I'm saved. Can I have that, please? Christian, has God called you? How are you serving? Are you faithfully serving? Christian, are you praying? How much faith do you have to talk to God, to trust God, to pray? Are you studying the Word of God? Christian, do you believe that we need a move of God right now in this place, in this town, in this country? Will you pray? Will you pray that God will send revival starting with you, with us? I invite you tonight. Would you like to come to the altar and pray? Would you just come and say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I trust in you. You might have a decision that you're asking God for help with. Would you just come and pray and say, Lord, I need direction. Would you guide me? You might know that God's called you. Would you surrender to that call? Would you offer your life as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God? Lord, could you sing with me? Happy people down the field.